0: Okay, wait, let me see if I got this right, Duncan. So okay. you're telling me that Jonathan Haidt, a uh, famous mm-hmm. uh, social psychologist, yeah. went uh, went up to a bunch of different people and was like, all right, all right, yeah. all right. all right. Say a brother and sister are having sex, but they use protection. Do you think there's something wrong with that? And everyone said, yeah, I think there's something wrong with that. Why do you ask? And he said, uh, no reason. <laughs> Is that what you're telling me? <laughs> uh, just <to>, uh <coughs> Just a thought experiment. I uh Right. Uh just a thought experiment. I'm trying to do my Jonathan okay, voice. Okay.
1: Uh Google, uh does Jonathan <laughs> have a sister?
0: Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> Welcome to the comedian and the philosopher, a nomadic dialogue of many brows, uh, both high and low brow. I am your resident comedian, Mike Liebowitz, and joining and me, as I- always, is—oh, sorry, go ahead, you do it.
1: <laughs> and do I it. am your I am your worldly philosopher, Duncan Gale. Duncan, yes, welcome to your podcast. Uh, Thank you, Mike. Great to be on. Your
0: podcast. Yes, Duncan Gale, this is your podcast. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Duncan, I just want to let you know, I uh, I want to let you know that my commitment to this undertaking that, that we're doing here, I am mm-hmm. recording, as you know, from um, the filthiest garage in upstate New York. Now, I don't know yeah. if you know how cold it is in the filthiest garage in upstate New York, but it's snowing outside and the garage is not heated. And I am wearing four pairs of socks on one foot and three pairs on the other. Um, Wow.
1: That is a uh, level of commitment that is quite, quite um, noble. Yeah.
0: Yeah, Commendable. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you very much. Thank you. And I'm glad that you didn't make it into a contest um, and, and try and... Um, you know, bring up some way in which this is very difficult for you, although I'm sure it is, because it's not about that. We all have our own suffering, our individual suffering, and each should be honored without comparison to another, don't you think?
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, it's really not, uh, it's really not difficult for me at all. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. I don't have any kids, uh, you know, I still have a have a job that I can easily do from home. Eh. <laughs>
0: I'm doing fine. Yeah. Wait, you don't, yeah, you got it backwards, man. You're playing, you're playing life on the, on the easy setting, dude. Yeah. yeah you right, have, right. you have no kids and a job. No, 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 That's no. That's right. Much more challenging to play life with three kids and no job. Much, much really develops the skills better.
1: Well, yeah. I'll, yeah. Yeah. Someday I'll. Um, level up to that uh, harder setting Yeah Yeah, see if be- I can Yeah see if I can beat Street Fighter 2 um, On that I mean that That that, that, that just gives you some um, Idea right there Of how how hip I am with the references I make a reference to Street Fighter 2 That's a game from what 30 years ago Anyway
0: Well yeah but To, <laughs> to a couple of old fuddy duddies like us It feels like just yesterday And I think yeah, you are That's right perfectly justified in wanting to beat Street Fighter 1 before leveling up to Street Fighter 2. Which, of course, Street Fighter 1, of course, a game that no one has ever played. And everyone sort of wondered at one point or another if they ever even made a Street Fighter 1. It kind of seems like...
1: Right, right. It's kind of like Breaking 2, Electric Boogaloo. What about Breaking 1? Was that good? Well, who cares? 2 has Electric Boogaloo in it, you know?
0: It, it, you're referencing some movie that is too recent for me to know about.
1: Uh, it 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 may be a movie you don't know about, but not because it's too recent. No, this is, <laughs> this is a movie from the from the '80s. You
0: know. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I if it's not golden age of cinema, I haven't heard of it. I uh, okay, you know. fair enough, fair enough. <clears throat> That's electric boogaloo too. My, the, my last reference to boogaloo, except for, of course, the more recent references to boogaloo boys, the militia, is um, is the uh, Ringo Starr single. All I want to do is boogaloo.
1: Okay, yeah, I'm not familiar with uh, Mr. Starr's uh, solo work, but um,
0: oh, sure you too. you are you are missing out. Uh, sure you I'm are not. missing out. I, actually, no, I think. Yeah, I mean it's sort of like you know if you did fuck Mary kill with the Beatles, I mean definitely <laughs> like everyone's killing Ringo, but he actually was a dramatically underrated drummer. I think, um, sure. yeah. yeah, he 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 was he was pretty great. He's actually Phil Collins' favorite drummer, but he had this song, which I don't know if it was called All I Want to Do Is Boogaloo or if it was just called Boogaloo or if that was just a line in the song, but Boogaloo mm-hmm. is like actually like a I'm going to get this wrong and I'll be perceived as culturally insensitive, but I just want people to know <laughs> that I am like universally ignorant and it's not like specific to any, <laughs> any culture, milieu, people, or, or, or philosophy. But the uh, uh, Boogaloo was a, like a 1970s, like kind of street dance movement, mm. like before breakdancing, I think that originated in Harlem with African uh-huh. and his and Hispanics. And um, it's so weird that like it's gone through this metamorphosis where now like the Boogaloo Boys are this like right wing militia group of like white people right. in Michigan or wherever the fuck they live. I don't know.
1: Right, right. Yeah. Well, yeah. Those sorts of metamorphoses are interesting. Like the uh, history of the uh, symbol of the swastika, right? Which was right originally a, a Hindu symbol. I I actually remember one time um, being at this like totally like new age type of um, tea house one time, and there was a there was a painting on the wall of the um, the Indian god Ganesh, the uh, elephant god of uh, prosperity, and he was he was on this throne, and there were two swastikas on either side of the throne, <laughs> and you know I mean I. I sort of knew just enough about the history of that symbol that I wasn't alarmed by it, but I can imagine probably a lot of other people
0: would be like, yeah. what the what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> right. How, how would the Nazis feel knowing that the na- master race was actually the elephant-headed people?
1: That's right. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, actually, funny thing about—I um, don't know if you know this. You probably don't. Um, mm-hmm. I grew up in a home on the south side of Chicago that was— um it was an old house it was built uh, in the 1890s and the in the den which which was our TV room there was a tile floor that was original to the house and it had mm-hmm. swastikas in it in the tiles oh my god so like yeah. so mike leibovitz little jewish boy grew up yeah. in in a house adorned with swastikas and it's uh, wow. yeah That's and crazy. so my my parents explained to me you know like yeah but it's actually this you know uh sanskrit or indian symbol that Means yeah. like power or something like that right, um, right I don't know it might be you probably know more about it than I do being a philosopher of religion, but um oh, a little bit, but yeah yeah, i mean all, all all I know
1: is that, yeah, I think the original use of the symbol it was like sort of um flat and and then um yeah when the when the Nazis used it they they kind of turned it diagonally and so right, right right, that's, right, that's sort of how you can tell the difference.
0: Yeah, the Nazi swastika is twisted, just like their ideology. Indeed. Yeah, man. Um, There there ought to be, I mean, maybe this tea house is part of it. There ought to be a movement to reclaim the swastika because it's, uh, you know, for, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, just like untwist the swastika. Unscrew the swastika.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was only a major symbol of, one tradition for like yeah, what probably thousands of years, and then within a within a fifteen year period, it was completely ruined by this other group. Yeah, yeah.
0: So, yeah, man. I mean, yeah, although yeah. that was a hell of a fifteen year period. I mean, that was. It certainly was. Yeah. You know, uh, from what I've read in the history books, I mean, I don't know. It, um, yeah,
1: yeah. That uh, that uh, Reich was supposed to last a couple of thousand years itself but yeah no, it was uh, relatively brief yeah
0: yeah but they committed a, you know a millennia's worth of uh, carnage and destruction within a within a very short period of time so there's that sure
1: I'll so let me see
0: back. let me see if I have this right the third Reich mm-hmm. or the third Reich um, right. so that was that was the uh, the Nazis the second Reich if I'm mm-hmm. correct, was Tsarist Russia,
1: right? Uh, well, no, no, no. The uh, the uh, Second Reich was the German Empire as it was unified um, under Otto von Bismarck. Uh, oh, president. okay. And, and prior to the First World War. That's right. Yeah, yeah. I think it was in like 1870. Yeah, there was there was the uh, the, the Franco-Prussian War, and yeah, so the the, the Germans. I, I mean, sort of the Confederation of German States fought against france and after that that was basically germany actually becoming an, an actual nation state rather than just a loose um agglomeration of territories that all spoke the same language which it which it had been yeah well,
0: but wasn't the um i mean prior to that wasn't the uh <clears throat> the holy roman empire essentially a german empire it was, yeah, yeah, and so the the
1: uh, the Holy Roman Empire was the was the first Reich, yeah,
0: and that
1: was the first Reich, yeah, yeah. So the Holy I, Roman I, I, Empire.
0: I, I, mm-hmm. Oh, go ahead,
1: yeah. Well, no, just uh, yeah. I mean, you know, this is all this is all retroactive, you know, you know Hitler H- H- Hitler referred to the Nazis as the Third Reich, looking back to, yeah, the uh, uh, Germany being unified as the Second Reich, and then. Yeah, the Holy Roman Empire being the first one. Yeah.
0: So, so then, what was the um, actual Roman Empire? That wasn't a Reich, huh?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, it wasn't a Reich. Yeah, yeah, there wasn't. I, I mean, the, the the actual Roman well, the actual Roman Empire was taken over by, I guess, the Germanic peoples, and so they turned it into a Reich.
0: Okay, so in order to be a Reich, you have to be German. That's the idea. (laughs) Is that right? So, yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah.
0: Although the Roman Empire continued to exist for uh, a thousand years after the, what we call the fall of the Roman Empire, as the, what we refer to as the Byzantine Empire, but those people referred to themselves as Roman. Sure byzantine yeah,
1: yeah the uh yeah the uh, the uh, western Roman Empire yeah fell in like the the four hundreds uh a d and but yeah the the eastern Roman Empire continued until like the 1400s yeah, yeah.
0: can I we do of you, course I, you, I, you I, know go I, ahead I was I, about I, to I, say the same thing that you're about to say so you go ahead yeah, and say
1: it yeah um we of course know all of this from listening to a podcast called the history of Rome done by a guy named Mike Duncan. That's can't right. Make this stuff up folks.
0: I mean, uh, you could, but we didn't, uh, we did. Yeah. Actually. And, and Duncan. So, uh, Dunk, that was actually the first podcast series that I ever listened to was the wow. history of Rome by Mike Duncan. And it yep. was suggested to me by you. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. um, thank you for that. And then I, I, uh, sure. I suggested it to my dad too. Oh, because my dad mm-hmm. likes Rome and he listens, he listened to it. I recommend it even all these years later to anyone listening, the history of Rome. It's, it's in, um, it's sort of broken down by emperor, I think. And sometimes it's, it'll split an emperor into two pieces, but it's done chronologically from the, the mythical of founding of, Ro- founding of Rome in seven, whatever BC, um, yep. uh, through the period of the Kings to the Republic And then through the end of the Republic to the Empire and then to the fall of the Western Empire. And it's done in these like 15 to 20 minute episodes. And Mm -hmm. it's just fucking, I think it's fucking great. So I recommend everyone listen to it. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. You will definitely learn a lot. Yeah, I mean, there's probably about 180 episodes and the guy covers, yeah, like 2,000 years of history in that time. but. Yeah, it's uh, excellent, yeah.
0: Yeah, you will learn a lot. And if you're anything like me, you will forget most of it. But it's still fun (laughs) to have learned it in the first place. Um, I've actually listened to the, to the whole thing twice. So what are you doing? Listening to the... Turn this podcast off and go listen. No, 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 no. <laughs> finish finish listening to this one. We told you everything you need to know about the history of Rome. Anyway, what are you doing? That's You're right. stuck inside. You, you got nothing to do but listen to all the podcasts on the internet. So, so finish Absolutely. this one. And then, uh, you know, in your spare time, what you should do in between listening to our episodes, which tend to be very long, is in between listening... Well, not very long, but, you know, an hour and a half or so. Listen to one of Mike Duncan's episodes in between each episode of The Comedian and The Philosopher, like a sort of a lemon sherbet uh, course to cleanse the palate and then return right. anew into, <laughs> into our world. Yeah. Um, yeah, man. Good shit. So listen, mm-hmm. I was thinking about um, what you were talking about last week about uh, the uh, your experience with uh, Instacart. Um, oh, yeah. And how, you know, it's like you have a, a servant that you're sending to go to the store to you, for you, because, well, in normal times, because you just can't deign to, uh, you know, demean yourself by being among the common people at the grocery store. But in the times of COVID, because you can't demean yourself to go and catch COVID, so you send someone else to uh, that's right. catch COVID for you. And, and I, so I have a... I, it it made me reflect on a recent experience that I had in my own life uh, because, you know, I, uh, I am a professional comedian um, or at least I was until the profession of comedian was eliminated um, (laughs) by the pandemic, um, which is, it's, it's a hell of a thing just as a little side note um, Mm -hmm. to like, you're living this life. You spend 15 (laughs) years working to become a professional comedian. And then the universe tells you like, Nope, like there's right actually you're a podcaster now um it's like oh yeah you thought you worked in live entertainment nope turns out radio uh Mm -hmm. you work in radio do you get paid no you don't you're an intern you're an intern (laughs) on your own show so I had to do other things to make a living I started um you know, I have a family to support, and I wanted to be responsible and support mm-hmm. my family. So like any responsible family man, I got um, a job selling drugs to rich people in Manhattan. So nice. I yeah, so I, I work uh, as a day job for this uh, cannabis delivery service. Uh, um, and we go around to people's houses in Manhattan, we sell them cannabis, um, uh, an essential service during these trying times, if ever there was one. Absolutely. And, And, um, so I had this experience that just made, that reminded me of, so I was running around, I ran up to this guy's apartment and, uh, now I will, I had forgotten, I had my uh, mask around my neck and I had forgotten to, to pull it Mm. up. Okay. So mea culpa, that's my fault. I did that. That was wrong. Okay. So I get into the guy's apartment and, um, and I'm like, okay, what, what do you want? And, uh, and he's like, Hey man, do you mind masking up? And I was like, Oh yeah. Oh, I'm so sorry. Of course. Um, Mm -hmm. And I I put my mask up and then I was like, "Um, but, uh, but, but you're not wearing a mask. Um, Because he wasn't wearing a mask. Weird. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So here's a man with no mask asking me to wear a mask when I'm around him. Right. Yeah. So, so, and he was like, I was like, he was like, are you serious? I was like, yeah, dude, of course I will wear a mask. But like, Mm -hmm. but like you also should wear a mask. And he's like, well, I don't know. You're probably going around and coming into contact with a lot more people than I am. And I was like, yeah, "Yeah, maybe. And uh, wouldn't it be nice if all of those people were wearing masks? Right. Right? Um, So he like finally did it. But you could tell it was just this like, he couldn't, he didn't feel any any um, responsibility for protecting the the, the health of the help, but he is worried about the help affecting his health. And so, I don't know, it just sort of made me, it reminded me of your InstaCart adventures and the moral quandaries that they raised for you that they clearly were not raising for this fucking asshole.
1: Yeah, no, that guy is definitely um, an asshole. Yeah, because, yeah, I mean, you have no business... Demanding somebody else put on a mask if you don't have one on, yeah I mean, right that seems that seems like the most blatant form of hypocrisy you could you could you could have, yeah,
0: anyway. yeah, it's like I don't care if we're subscribing to the categorical imperative or the golden rule, right. like it's it violates all of that shit, it's got to, oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely, very uncontian, yeah and ungesesian, <laughs> that's right. Christ, un, un, non-christian christian i guess some people call that i guess the kids are calling it christian i i like to stick with christian it's you know it's just old habits die hard <clears throat> it works that works yeah yeah so <laughs> um anyway yeah so there's that what's going on with you how's your week been i haven't talked to you since last week
1: oh yeah yeah no the uh the week's been pretty good yeah no i um I teach. Uh, I'm, yeah, I'm teaching two classes right now, and uh, yeah, they're going uh, pretty well, uh, as far as I can tell. All I do is pretty much just post stuff online, and mm-hmm. uh, occasionally get emails from students asking to clarify things, and I respond to those, and that's the uh, that's the extent of uh, what teaching is uh, right now. So, uh, you know, it's a little it's a little odd, but you know, trying to. Uh, trying to just enjoy it uh, as much as I can still. But, um, yeah, and, um, oh, yeah, something that um, early on in this uh, pandemic, something that I started binging uh, was um, Star Trek. Because, um, you know, for all of our listeners out there, a little bit about me, you know, I mean, I I, I grew up um, being pretty into Star Wars and, um, very much into, uh, Marvel comics. But, you know, lately I've, I've reflected upon the fact that, you know, I still, despite all of that, I'm still
0: not enough of a nerd. Uh, I really <laughs> need to get
1: into Star Trek now. Uh, well,
0: well, Star Trek, Duncan, I think is, <laughs> is for like actual nerds. Right. You know what I mean? Like we call yeah, people yeah. who are into comic books and, and, um, Star Wars nerds, but that's kind of a, A neologism or not a neologism, but like a new application of the word within the past couple decades. But like people who have been called nerds since the word nerd was invented have always been into Star Trek because it's like real science.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I, um, yeah, so I, I made my way through the entire, um, original series, uh, and all of the movies, um, a couple of months ago. And that was, uh, Pretty uh, interesting because, yeah, I mean, my my sort of primary interest in Star Trek is that, um, you know, as somebody who teaches philosophy, um, and you know, I mean, this is something that's only applicable when we go back to face to face uh, meetings again because it's hard for me to share media um, when I'm doing online teaching. But you know, something that I like to do in philosophy classes is you know, kind of show people examples of you know a philosophical idea sort of dramatized and i find that star trek that's definitely a show that is is very much a sort of philosophical show like it, it's dealing with all sorts of interesting ethical issues of, of one kind or another and so you know just kind of having a ready supply of of examples of that uh, you know is i mean as, uh, yeah aside from the intrinsic entertainment value you know it's it's i, I, I I mean, I, I, I feel like I always sort of consume media, you know, partly because it's something that I like, but also partly, but because it's like, well, yeah, but this might also be useful for me for something else. Like that's that's the way that I consume a lot of media. Oh I'm night, the, yeah. yeah, I'm the same. Yeah, I'm
0: mm-hmm. the same way. I mean, like I like I consume media if I if there's like a reason to do it. If it's something has something to do with, you know, if it's like an important new comedy special that I should know about or if it's some like cultural touchstone that I should know about. And I mean, I think the nice thing about philosophy, and I think comedy Mm -hmm. is this way too, but I mean, I think particularly philosophy is that like, you can kind of make that um, excuse to watch pretty much anything, right? I mean, because, (laughs) right, I mean, anything that's a story probably has some philosophical um, issues going on in it that you could apply, no? Am I making that up? Well, or some no, are better I mean, than others. I
1: mean, I you know, I I don't I don't disagree with the with the overall spirit of that, but I mean, I think that you know, there's definitely some things where you have to sort of go out of your way to sort of find it a little bit more than than others, maybe. But uh, yeah,
0: yeah, I guess. I mean, I, I feel like I'm sure, and you know, I I can be skeptical because I have not given any thought to this or ever tried it. Um, and it's your profession, so um but um it always seemed to me like if you can have the Tao of Pooh, right, then there's probably more out there than we immediately suspect. Sure. More things Although in we, heaven
1: and earth than are dreamt of in our philosophy.
0: Yes, that's right. As the writers of the complete works of William Shakespeare abridged once said. That's um right. <laughs> Uh, Duncan, do you feel... I, that's interesting that you bring up Star Trek because I, I wanted mm-hmm. to ask you something about Marvel and Star Wars and I wonder how it relates uh-huh. to Star Trek. Um, I was sort of thinking that like <clears throat> that shows like Star Wars and big superhero epics um, are kind of like the uh, sort of mythology of our time. And when like, mm-hmm. future civilizations look back on us, they'll think of our gods, the gods of our stories being Spider-Man and Wonder Woman and Luke Skywalker and, right. you know, the demons as being Darth Vader and, uh, you know, that weird guy with the skull face from the Captain America movie. Um, red it? Skull? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thank yeah. you. <laughs> that red guy with the skull face. What's his name? Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> who,
1: who, yeah. Who was a um, 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 Nazi, by the way? Yeah. Just to... Like it back to earlier.
0: Right. A Nazi. Well, no, it wasn't Hail Hitler. It was Hail Hydra, right? It was a sort well, of that's st- right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, he was, he was uh, working for, for Hitler, but he kind of had his own thing going on as well. Yeah.
0: Oh, okay. I thought it was like some like very close allegorical reference to, to the Nazis, but he was actually working for the real Nazis. Oh right? yeah,
1: yeah, 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 and I mean, like in the um, um, original Captain America comics, um, which which w- which came out like 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 the first issue of Captain America features him punching Hitler in the face on the cover. Oh up. right, and who's the yeah. artist who drew it? it? Um, uh, Jack Jack Kirby. Yeah,
0: Jack Kirby, right, and he's the one yeah. who basically like sort of invented the modern superhero com- comic art. Um art style, right? With the, with the muscles. Oh, yeah. He was like the first guy who like, cause you read like the old Superman comics or the old Batman comics mm-hmm. and it's like, okay, this is like some different yeah. shit. And then like very quickly it becomes pretty much like what it looks like today. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's mm-hmm. Jack Kirby doing that, right?
1: Oh yeah. Well, yeah. And I mean, and this is a whole other issue, but I mean, there's, there's all kinds of stuff about how Jack Kirby worked very closely with Stan Lee and, Stanley claimed to have created all of these characters, but in a lot of cases, well, you know, it's it's really more the artist that created the, the character, or you know, they at least deserve equal credit. But Stanley took a lot of credit for that. But uh, um, but yeah, um, in the in the uh, Captain America yeah comic, yeah that that first issue where he's punching Hitler, and I think the cover date on that issue is like March of 1941. Which is interesting, considering that it's well before America went to war <laughs> with Germany, and I think it was actually a quite sort of controversial thing at the time that this comic book was saying, like, "Hey, we should, we should fight, we should fight these Nazis, even though we're not actually at war with them yet." So,
0: yeah. Although, I mean, I mean, when did the um, the Chaplin film, Great Dictator, come out? Uh, oh
1: yeah, yeah. I think that
0: probably came out. Around, around the, the same, same time. time. Maybe, yeah, I mean, maybe I think
1: earlier, yeah.
0: I think there were a lot of people in America who were like, um, w- who wanted, who saw the Nazis for what they were, or at least for part of what they were. I don't think like the totality sure. of the horrors of the Holocaust and everything were fully revealed until after the war, but I think there were oh, yeah. a lot of people who were ready to go to war with this motherfucker before, and it was an issue because you have a lot of anti-Semites in America who don't give a shit, right? You have like, right. uh, Lindbergh, you have Henry Ford. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know where Walt Disney came out on all this. He has sort of a reputation for being an anti-Semite, although it seems like maybe it's not totally deserved. I'm not sure, but there were, there was a big, uh, and so that's why the American government had to bomb their own naval base in, uh, in, uh, Hawaii as a, as a, as a strong enough pretext to get into war. Right.
1: Oh, is uh, is uh, that what happened?
0: <laughs> oh no, is I don't know. Is that not the 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 orthodox history? I don't know. I don't. Uh, I don't read history. I just uh, <clears throat> I just listen to podcasts. Oh, okay. <laughs> is, well, that, is that not what enough. happened?
1: Fair enough.
0: Fair right. Enough. Right. Right. No, but I mean, there is a conspiracy <laughs> theory that says that. Right. There is a conspiracy that sure. says that that um, Roosevelt bombed Pearl Harbor. Um, sure. That, yeah. yeah. That's that's really interesting. Um, to get but back. Yeah, to, yeah. Oh, no, go ahead. What were you going to say? Well, yeah, yeah,
1: and I was just going to say that, I mean, these those comic artists and, and writers, I mean, they they kind of led the way on that because most of them were Jewish, right? And, uh,
0: right. Yeah, 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 that's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Was Chaplin
1: Jewish, too? Chaplin was not Jewish. Uh, there's actually a, a famous incident where, like, some German... Uh, person like asked him if he was Jewish and he was like, no, I don't have that honor. And that was him, like yeah. him, him, him really sort of, you know, sticking it to uh, the, 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 the German people that he was around at the time. Right. Just like, yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think he really suffered, um, his career really suffered as a result of making mm-hmm. that movie, or at least there were, they were concerned, like, wasn't that his, one of his last movies? The Great Dictator, um, probably. Yeah, I mean, it was one. Of, it was one of his first sound
1: movies, and yeah, yeah, and he, yeah, he didn't make that many, yeah, sound movies. So,
0: yeah, I don't yeah. think he survived that long into the, uh, into the uh, sound era in Hollywood. Um, he also was um, later um, uh, deported, right? For uh, oh, was he? Yeah, I think he was. Um, because of like having sex with underage girls or I don't know, some shit that they used to care about back then, but it's totally fine now. Right, um, right. um yeah, I don't know. Everything I know about Chaplin is from the Robert Downey Jr. movie, so I really you know, I really can't say. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Listen <laughs> <Right? laughs> Before we went on the air, uh, before we went on the air, Duncan, and to be clear, we're not on the air right now, we're recording. Yeah. But before we started recording, um, we agreed uh, not to pretend to be experts in things that we are not. So let's just be clear that neither of us is a Charlie Chaplin expert. Um, no,
1: not at all. Yeah.
0: But uh, going back to what I was saying before is um, uh, the uh, so the the sort of these superheroes as being like sort of our the sort of mythology of our age. Um, mm-hmm. I somehow I feel that really strongly about the Marvel universe. I feel that yep. really strongly about Star Wars. For some right. reason, I don't feel quite that same way about um, Star Trek. I feel like Star Trek serves some sort of different function. And I'm wondering if yeah. you agree with that intuition or if you think it's bullshit. Or neither. You also you don't have to choose one of those options. <laughs> yeah, no,
1: I mean, I definitely share that, that general intuition. I, yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, I mean, I think, especially with the Marvel characters in general, I think there is a really close analogy between those and the Greek sort of um mythological characters because you know with the the greek mythological characters it's like you know we have all of these different versions of stories and you know we're not we're not completely sure which one of them is is correct but 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 you know we, we we have all of these all these different things and 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 also uh, there were the plays about the about the mythological characters. There's plays by Aeschylus, so- Sophocles, Euripides, and so all of these different authors gave their own takes on them. And it's and it's uh, very very uh, similar with it with the Marvel characters because I mean even though they were technically you know quote unquote created by Stanley and probably Jack Kirby more so. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, and 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 other artists like um, um, Steve uh, Steve Ditko uh, did uh, Spider Man. Um, yeah, so so they were kind of created by these people, but then, but then other writers and art, artists took them on and sort of reinterpreted them. And you know, I mean, for for you know, a lot of people, my you know myself included, you know, we we we, we may really like Spider Man and the Hulk and stuff, but we don't like necessarily spider-man and the hulk as done by the original creators there's oftentimes a some other later writer or, or artist that comes along and does a much more sort of interesting run of that of that character and a much more interesting kind of interpretation and you, you know for for a lot of people like like um with with hulk there was a there was a writer peter david who who started writing him in the in the 80s and and that i, I think for a lot of people that's a very definitive Run of Hulk, and um, yeah, and with Spider-Man, um, yeah, like um, I think for me, I I, I think of Spider-Man uh, in sort of the the 80s and the 90s with with Venom being introduced, and uh, yeah, I think uh, David okay. David yeah yeah David Michelini was the, was the writer and, uh,
0: Todd McFarlane. Todd McFarlane. Was, yeah. 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 I remember no, was those Todd McFarlane, uh, Spider-Man stuff. Oh, yeah. What about, yeah. just to stop mm-hmm. you for a second, the, um, <laughs> mm-hmm. in terms of Hulk, what, what was yeah. the writer's name from the eighties?
1: Yeah. Peter, Peter David. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Peter David. So there was also before that, of course, this, mm-hmm. um, Hulk television st- series with Lou oh, Ferrigno, yeah. which, mm-hmm. I mean, that had to do a lot for the sort of the mythology of hulk and the the popular the popularity of the character right sure. even before that series came out
1: absolutely absolutely yeah 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 i think yeah a lot of people only know hulk from that tv show which is pretty disconnected from the comics other than just the character of the hulk himself
0: yeah Oh right, yeah, they really Hollywoodized it. It's sort of yeah, if when you watch an episode of that old Hulk TV show, which by the way my son Isaac fucking loves, he calls it oh, Hulk in really? the 70s, yeah. Oh, that's um cool. <laughs> it's it's sort of like just the cinematography of it. It sort of looks like you're watching an episode of Simon and Simon and then like uh-huh. the Hulk will appear. You know, do you know what I mean? <laughs>
1: I don't know Simon and Simon.
0: Oh, okay. Simon and Simon was this old um, sort of detective series from the seventies about these two brothers who would solve crimes, and one of them I think was Wilford Brimley. Um, Oh, really? (laughs) But I could have that totally wrong. I don't do any fact checking, you know, so I don't know. Yeah. Uh, And uh, but um, but. you know, when he was young. One of them's sort of like a handsome blonde guy and one of them's like this mustachioed older guy and they solve crimes. In mm-hmm. Anyway, it's just from that same era and it just feels the same, but uh, that's a total, total tangent. Um, yeah. But yeah, but it's what cool. you were saying about this sort of the, the uh, the, the reboots and the, and the different retellings of these mythical characters throughout the, the Marvel, um, the Marvel uh, universe. Right. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. And
1: yeah, and I mean, and it's also... I think most dramatically the case with the with the uh, X Men because yeah, Stanley and Jack Kirby technically created the X Men, but really the X Men that we know about was was sort of more of a, a kind of reboot uh, that was done by this writer Chris Claremont uh, starting in the in, in the 70s, uh, and um, yeah, and he he introduced yeah more kind of international team and yeah basically Storm and Wolverine and Nightcrawler all of those. Much more popular characters uh, came about during during his uh, his run, and so so yeah. So basically, <clears throat> yeah, that's just to say that yeah. I mean, there's there's this mythic quality to the characters because you know one writer will come along and and yeah have their interpretation for a while, but then another writer will kind of do a different interpretation that might still have continuity with, with the previous writer, but sometimes it doesn't, and, and sometimes they'll kind of change things. I mean, that was that that, that was kind of what I thought was really cool about that uh, Spider-Man movie into the uh, Spider-Verse, right? So because, good.
0: It was so yeah, good. Yeah,
1: because yeah, that that basically just sort of, the, uh, it seemed like the main kind of idea of that movie was that, yeah, Spider-Man is this character that always exists in like every universe in some form but it's but it's slight it's it's kind of slightly different in each in each version uh, and uh, yeah I think that really kind of communicated better than any other movie I've seen it's kind of like what the the, the way that like a lot of us comics readers sort of are our, our, our attitudes towards these characters is that you know they they sort of change and evolve and and sometimes contradict previous versions but you know it's just the uh, that's the nature of myth, right?
0: Right, right. It's sort of like there is this essential quality of Spider-Man, which mm-hmm. which uh, exists like other you know like other essential uh, qualities, like um, I don't know what other essential qualities would be reason, uh, love, um, mm-hmm. stuff like that, right? Um, right, right. And I think um, uh, probably like probably that whole um, that whole notion, I think, is like definitely best fleshed out in that particular movie into the spider-verse probably owes Mm -hmm. a lot to those original um superman bizarro world comics Mm. right where Mm -hmm. there's a bizarro lois lane and a bizarro superman and it's this sort of like alternate universe that's got to be like the first example of that in comics right
1: yeah probably yeah yeah um yeah i don't i don't know too much about bizarro other than that yeah it's uh yeah, it's all the exact opposite of um, of our universe. They say goodbye
0: when they mean they hello. Hello. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> you probably run into problems if you try and extend yeah. that premise out too far. It probably falls apart at some point. Yeah. It- yeah. Probably. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well. Well. Uh, yeah. I mean, there was that um, um, Seinfeld episode with the uh, the uh, Bizarro Jerry, and yeah. Yeah. And like. Uh, yeah, Jerry's trying to explain it to Elaine and she's like, "Well, why don't they say badbye?" <laughs> right, like, right. Like, no, no. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right. Why don't they say badbye, right? Yeah, do you yeah. do you do you turn off the dark switch or do you turn right. on the dark switch? Right, right. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, man. Um, but uh, so, and then uh, um, uh, Star Trek's not like that. It's more con- it's more continuous, right?
1: Well, yeah, yeah. And to a certain extent, I kind of feel that way about Star Wars as well, just because Star Wars and Star Trek are so very much um, kind of connected to a, a single creator um, and, a, and a single sort of artistic vision behind mm-hmm. them. Um, And so I guess that's why, I I mean, obviously in the case of um, George uh, Lucas with with Star Wars, I mean, he was very self-consciously kind
0: of drawing upon those myths. uh, So that's why it feels uh, so mythical. Yeah, because Star Wars feels mythical and Star Trek feels more philosophical, right? Yeah, definitely. But, um, yeah, they, they do sort of, they are structurally more similar to each other than either one is to, um, to Marvel, I think that's right. Right. But, yeah, so, you know, I
1: mean, Star Wars, I mean, that's the vision of George Lucas, largely, and Star Trek is the vision of Gene Roddenberry, right. largely. Right. But the Marvel Universe, I mean, even though, yeah, again, technically, Stan Lee created the Marvel Universe, you know, most, most, most people are are, are actually into, into Marvel comics. No. Well, yeah. I mean, he kind of like got the ball rolling, but it was a lot of other people who actually made the cool stuff that we actually like.
0: Yeah. 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 Right on. Very cool. Very cool.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Well, um, enough about myth and fiction. Shall we get into the real world for a second? I guess. <laughs> it does feel nice, doesn't it? It does feel nice to just be like, oh, we can just talk about Star Trek and Star Wars. And it's okay. Yeah. It's sure, not an emergency. Sure. Um, <laughs> it's weird. Like It it felt like an emergency for four years. And yet, there really was nothing we could do about it. So, uh, right. So we probably should have just been talking about Marvel and Star Wars the whole time. But... Um, isn't that interesting though? How as soon as, as soon as, um, the, uh, inauguration happened, all of a sudden the internet was fun again, right? Right. All of a sudden it's just all Bernie Sanders memes all day long. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, it was like, it was like a reminder of like, oh, right. Like this is what it used to feel like. Like the internet, you used to go, you used to make jokes, you'd find other people. It wasn't all like getting, it wasn't all like trying to like own each other all the time. And now, I mean, Mm -hmm. I'm sure it's, some of that has subsided, but I don't know what your feelings were. My feelings upon witnessing the inauguration of Joe Biden Mm -hmm. were something, this is the best analogy I can come up for, uh, come up, come up with, sorry, I mix Mm -hmm. up my prepositions sometimes. (laughs) Is with a preposition I don't even know. I never had to study English. I just learned it naturally as the language formation (laughs) developed in my brain. You know, Noam Chomsky doesn't think that language is even learned in a traditional sense. He thinks it grows. Oh, yeah. He has the theory of what,
1: uh, yeah, universal grammar. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody, yeah. Mm
0: -hmm. That's not what we're talking about. This is the best metaphor that I could come up with (laughs) is... um, watching Biden take over from Trump it was have you ever, Duncan have you ever been ice skating um not not really no no have have you ever been roller skating
1: i have been roller skating
0: okay mm-hmm. all right this metaphor will still work for you okay good do you remember what it feels like after you've been you, like you go to a roller rink you rent the the yeah. the skates you skate for a while and then you t- at the end, you take off the skates and you put your sneakers back on. Yeah. And all of a sudden, these are the most comfortable things you've ever worn mm. in your life.
1: Right. right?
0: Yeah. Even though they're the same old smelly shoes that you walk around, you know, you've been walking around with for years and years and years. They're suddenly mm. like, you're like, oh my God, I'm walking in air just to be back in what I was wearing before. And that's yeah. sort of, that's what it felt like to me. Where, like, of course, Biden yeah. is just a return to the same old politics that, you know, that at least partially gave rise to the problems that allowed Trump to take over. But goddamn, right. did it feel good just to have all the, just to have that old pair of shoes back on? Right, right.
1: Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, I mean, you know. Uh, in the uh, fall, when uh, Saturday Night Live was doing, you know, the the political stuff with uh, Jim Carrey as uh, Joe Biden, I mean, one, one, one of the things that I that really resonated with me was was just at uh, one point him saying, "We just want to make America not actively on fire again."
0: <laughs> right, right, right.
1: I think that's that was that's a great way to to sort of put, yeah, the the Biden candidacy and him being elected. It's like. Yeah, no, I mean, these last four years have just been completely insane, and can we get back to just <laughs> some level of normalcy, even if that level of normalcy is ultimately just um, some other kind of incompetent uh, government officials? At least it's the incompetence that we've been used to, rather than yeah, some and sort it's, of... Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. yeah, it's probably less incompetence um, and more just sort of like, you know... Uh, s- uh, you know, has interests that are not always aligned with the pop, pop uh, population at large. Like, I think sure. the government was largely competent. They just weren't always, uh, you know, on our side. But then right. with Trump, they're not on our side and grossly incompetent and just mean, just really mean. Just like, I think that Trump derangement syndrome, like there is some like, yes, I disagree with most of his policies to the extent Mm -hmm. that he even has policies. Yes, I think he's completely incompetent, but I will give the sort of right wing people, Trump derangement syndrome people some credit and admit that like, mostly I just really don't like that motherfucker. I just can't stand, I just can't fucking stand him. And I don't, if that makes me deranged, all right, then I was fucking deranged. But I mean, you know, the the president is like an avatar for the American people. And to have that motherfucker be our avatar just was was really, really shitty. And I'll take this bland sort of the avatar that comes with the game before you put any features on it, avatar any day over (laughs) that shit.
1: Absolutely, yeah. Well, yeah, and I mean, yeah, definitely the whole Trump derangement syndrome thing. I mean, yeah, I'm sure I suffered from that, but at the same time, I also felt like, I mean, I didn't want to hate him because he was the president of the country that I live in. Uh, right. You know, <laughs> right. I, I, you know, I don't want to completely hate the guy that's running things, but and I, I, I mean, I really feel like I desperately tried to find at least one good thing about him or something, and. I mean, the only thing I can sort of come up with is that, um, yeah, during Trump's administration, he did not start any new wars, and you know, so I think we can kind of appreciate that. And yet, even with that, okay, Trump did not actively start any new any new military you know operations anywhere, and and he and he 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 seemed to be pretty you know um, committed to not doing that, but. Nevertheless, he he certainly said things that, you know, ruined our diplomatic relations with, like, close allies of us. And so, I mean, it's like, that's the thing with Trump. It's like every good thing that he maybe did is still undercut by, like, all of this horrible shit. And so,
0: you know. Yeah, right. And it's like, well, he didn't start any foreign wars, but he came close to inciting a civil war, which is worse yeah, that too, yeah. Uh, and yeah <laughs> he didn't <laughs> he didn't start any major military operations but he like fucking threatened to nuke north korea on twit on fucking twitter or yeah. iran or whatever you know it's just like yeah. Mm-hmm. so yeah you're right it's like even anything that's good i mean i even sort of agree with some of his trade stuff i do think that mm. and i think that actually explains a whole lot of um you know there's all this hand wringing about why did um you know, oh, why did, uh, why did minorities vote for Trump in higher numbers than, you know, in 2016? And, I, you know, I really think that it's part of the problem is like you have this pundit class, which is like obsessed with, I mean, the way that these people talk about elections Mm -hmm. is fucking gross, right? When they're like, well, well, there's the college whites are doing this, the non-college whites are doing this, the Hispanics are Mm -hmm. like this, the blacks are like this. It's like, is that any way to fucking talk about people? Like these are people. Like I'm not a college white. Like I'm a dude in a filthy garage in the cold. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah, I'm white and I went to college, but that's not like, that doesn't define me. And it's just, I don't know, it's just, there's something about it, I haven't put my finger on it, but it's creepy the way that these people talk, right? And it's very, to me, it's very easy to see how like, okay, well, Trump was like opposed to NAFTA and like free trade agreements, which since the 90s have depressed wages for working class Americans. People of color are disproportionately working class Americans. It's very easy to see how like some of that shift could be based on class and and uh, economic policy and like not have to make it all about like, oh, well, these people of color are secretly becoming white supremacists or some like some crazy, some crazy explanation that only these political pundits with their weird insectoid dissection of the electorate could come up with.
1: Right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that, I mean, the whole profession of punditry in general, I mean, I think it sort of lends itself to a kind of uh, foreshortening of, of reality and kind of just sort of thinking about things in terms of these large blocks of, well, you know, there's this. There's all this complex stuff going on. Let's see if we can simplify it as much as possible. And so, and and in so doing, they they will probably distort reality in one way or another.
0: Uh, right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. But then it becomes this like whole narrative, and it's I don't know. It's just like uh, some of these people just I don't know. All this news on all the time. The news is on twenty four. These people just need to shut the fuck up. All I don't know. Yeah. This is yeah, not I like. Mean,
1: yeah the yeah. the i i mean the whole the whole 24 hour news cycle i mean that's you know and and that's been something that has existed for you know probably at least 20 years now um and yeah i mean that's not it's not good for anybody.
0: Yeah, no, it started. I mean, the first time that I remember it was during the recount in 2000, which is exactly 20 years oh, yeah. ago. And, that, and that's been about the period of the and, and it's to the point where it's like they're not even acting like news anymore. I mean, you watch, dude, you watch, uh, <laughs> you watch uh, Tucker Carlson. He's doing act outs. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's yeah. doing his monologue and he's doing act outs like it was the fucking Daily Show, like he's doing stand up. He's like, right. oh, and Chuck Schumer is all. It's like, dude, you're a yep. fucking news anchor. What are you doing? You know, right, it's like, right. and, and CNN and, M- and MSNBC is the same shit too. I mean, this stuff is not sure. fucking news. There's just not enough news. There's not enough news to fill up 24 no. hours of news. So it's because, but anyway, that's a Definitely whole, not. that's a whole fucking thing. How did you, how did you feel watching the, the inauguration though? I mean, like what was, what was your takeaway from it?
1: Yeah, I mean, my, my main sort of takeaway was just, yeah, I mean, it's, I think it's just nice to, yeah, have, um, some sort of deep breath that we can all sort of take as a nation and just be like, okay, um, let's just, let's just kind of start over, you know, even amidst all of the sort of, um, chaos that we see that has been created in the last four years. Let's, let's start the, uh, the, uh, healing process. Yeah. I mean, I, I didn't watch, I didn't watch too much of the, of the inauguration, just sort of highlights and so forth, but yeah, I mean, you know, Joe Biden's speech. I mean, I think that, I think that people,
0: uh, It was fine. I, I, Wasn't it fine? It
1: was fine. Yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was, yeah, yeah, it was fine. It was not, it was not, you know, um, super dramatic or anything it was just yeah we can all agree with that yeah
0: yeah how how fucked up is this country that like <laughs> that a speech saying can't we all just get along feels like some kind of revelation from on high you know right. and, and the media is just like i had chills just to hear what like every politician ever has always said it's uh right. it's just a testament to like um <clears throat> how poorly this experiment uh, the Trump experiment went, man, it, uh, yeah. one thing that um, struck me about it, um, and I don't know if you feel this way or not, because I have not told you it yet, but mm-hmm. is that um, the sort of standard American presidency, I think what what Biden is attempting to do, what Obama did, what, what um, Bush did, what Clinton did, every presidency that I can remember has Mm -hmm. been this sort of made for TV, um, presidency where, you know, everything is sort of choreographed and, you know, it's supposed to present certain themes, um, in this sort of subtle way all the time. And it is, it is always sort of very thematically, um, minded and it's, it's, um, and the Trump presidency is often called out for being a made-for-TV presidency, but I think the difference is that the standard American presidency is like a prestige drama, and right. the Trump presidency was Jersey Shore, you know, yeah. or something, some kind of. <laughs> so. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. No, I, uh, yeah, I definitely agree with that characterization. Yeah.
0: <laughs> right on. <laughs> Right on. Um, A lot of people liked the poet, the youth poet. I've forgotten mm-hmm. her name. Yeah. yeah. But she, mm-hmm. she crushed it pretty hard. Everyone loved it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know,
1: yeah, one more thing about the inauguration is that, you know, I mean, it's, I mean, again, it's, 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 it's bittersweet because it's like, yeah, there's, there's so many problems face, facing our nation right now. And, and so, you know. I mean, it was just weird to see like people in face masks. I mean, it was uh, kind of heartbreaking to me to see our beautiful vice president in in a in a, in a face mask. Uh,
0: yeah, you know, but you you, you love you love her, huh? You oh, sort of
1: God, Mike. Last you, week you last week you confessed your love for gal for gal uh, Godot and now I'm gonna confess my love for our vice president yes Kamala Harris oh my God yeah yeah
0: is it a deep personal love or is it more just like is it just like sort of more a raw animal sexual kind of uh, thing or is it is it on a oh deep, no no do you it's, feel like she understands it's, you
1: it's deep personal yeah yeah no I I think uh, yeah yeah I, uh, yeah she's just she's just luminous uh and you know one one thing i was thinking about to kind of you know get a little serious within this is that you know i've heard very little about how attractive kamala harris is um and i think that that's i think that speaks to sort of a level of progress in that, well, I, I mean, like, you know, I guess back in, back in 2008 was maybe the last time we had this situation where, you know, Sarah Palin, very attractive, right? And people talked about that a lot about her. And I think people talked about how attractive Sarah Palin was because there really wasn't too much else to her, uh, right? You know? Uh,
0: yeah, although she did sort of presage this sort of what the Republican Party has kind of turned into in the past 12 years. But, uh,
1: yeah, no, no, I think that's I think that's true. minus yeah, the attractive absolutely.
0: part. In fact, the right. attractive part was the only thing that set her apart from what a mainstream Republican is now. Uh, exactly.
1: Exactly. One of my but favorite.
0: Yeah. Uh, oh, no, mm-hmm. go ahead. I was just going to just total side note. One of my favorite tweets uh-huh. from one of my comedian friends in New York, Eric Bergstrom was, as far as I can tell, the difference between Antifa and Proud Boys is about 40 pounds. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, (laughs) thought that was pretty good, but yes, you're, you're being serious and I'm here. I'm quoting tweets. Yeah. So you think that that's progress that, um, that, uh, we're not talking about that with Kamala Harris, who you assert is objectively a smoke show. Is that right?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I have a feeling many, uh, heterosexual men and, and homosexual women, uh, have, have to agree with me on that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I, th- I think she's just like objectively hot. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. And,
1: and, uh, mm-hmm.
0: and she doesn't have any biological kids, so you know that shit tight. Um, <laughs> now, here we are. Here we are. We're, here we are um, uh, burning down that pyre of progress that we built up. Now we're objectifying the vice president. We shouldn't be doing it. Well, I'm doing it. You're not doing it. I'm doing. Well, I you did know, it. you know,
1: I'm, I'm, I'm uh, trying not to, but you know, I, yeah, I mean, she, she don't make it easy, she, do she, brother? She's just, she's just so, 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 so lovely. Yeah.
0: Now, what would your, what would your ideal first date with Kamala Harris be like? What would you do? <laughs> well, um,
1: yeah, so um, probably we'd start with uh, drinks at. Um, yeah, some uh, some bar uh, near the uh, the uh, capital, um, and um, yeah, you know, I would um, talk to her about um, yeah, just um, I don't know. I'm kind of,
0: I'm kind of <laughs> oh boy, I'm well, kind we, of
1: blanking, Mike. I mean, you know, that's uh, just how beautiful I mean,
0: she is, right? You just yeah, can't even think yeah. of anything. <laughs> Well, I'm sure you would charm the mask off of her. I'm sure I hope so. Yeah. I'm sure by the end of the night that mask would be dropping dropping straight to the ground. Well. Um, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, Mike.
1: Man. Well yeah, and and just, you know, one more thing. So, you know, I mean it was funny to like hear um, hear the hear the uh, list of names of, you know, um, Mr. 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 Uh, President, or you know, President President Biden, um, Doctor Doctor Biden, Madam Vice President Harris, and then and then Kamala Harris's husband, who I can't even remember his name. Doug is his Doug, first name. Doug, yeah, 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 yeah.
0: If a guy's name is first, if a guy's first name is Doug, you don't need to remember his last name. Uh, right, right. So, no, so, it's Amhoff. So, so, yeah. It's Doug Amhoff. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So. So, yeah. I mean, it was just funny to hear. Yeah. I think the uh, the 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 the, uh, poet who talked. Yeah. Yeah. She was like she was like President Biden, Dr. Biden, Vice President Harris and Mr. Doug, whatever. And, you know, it seems like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's 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 kind of getting short shrift in that in that list of names, um, you know, because, you know, he's just like, you know, some regular guy. But he's not some regular guy he's married to kamala harris that guy has it made more than any of those other that's
0: people. right so. that's right that's the <laughs> that's the biggest winner in that scenario as far as you are concerned Absolutely. right that's Absolutely. the highest honor of all is to is to sleep next to kamala harris now they live Indeed. um they live uh, on the uh, naval observatory or wherever the vice president lives and in, in uh, washington they live on some navy um the vice president lives on a naval area, <laughs> a naval place, base. Yeah. It's a base base. That's what they call it. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, <laughs> you know, like in sports, a base. Um, yeah. Uh, so that was um, now, of course, there's all these executive actions that uh, mm-hmm. Biden has signed. Uh, no more drilling. Um uh, transgender people out in the military um, what else? what else? was there other stuff? There were seven of them I think uh-huh i don't know i didn't do yeah. any research for the podcast. I mean I did, but no, I didn't me re- neither. i didn't i didn't write <laughs> any of it down um, but um, so i'll say this that so um, the the mm-hmm. message is unity and that's great. Oh, I just wanted to do a quick uh, I, I wanted to do, uh, just get your opinion on just some like quick fire issues. See, see where right. you, where you land on them. So um, impeachment, yes or no? Um, oh yeah. Okay. So yeah. Um, impeachment,
1: I would, I, I would say yes. So um, there was a, there was something I saw on Facebook um, posted by one of my more conservative friends and I th- I, and I thought that he actually made a uh, good point and it, it really kind of gave me pause about stuff because I saw a headline about the impeachment w- it was going to be focusing on um, on if Trump was responsible for inciting these people uh, to to yeah, uh, have have uh, attacked the Capitol, right and and basically this guy made the point that you know, what, t, t, Like, to what extent do we have responsibility for saying something and then and then somebody else doing something based upon our words and so forth? And, and just kind of how, you know, this issue of, of uh, impeachment, I mean, it, 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 it kind of hinges upon that, right? I mean, it, it hinges upon, did, did, did Trump make a speech that intentionally incited other people to do something? And I think that... I think that that is very much a slippery slope, and that is, um, you know, that that could potentially create a dangerous kind of precedent if, if somebody got sort of, you know, convicted for doing something like that. On the other hand, I feel like Trump committed, in my mind, impeachable offenses on a, on an almost weekly basis, and the weird thing about Donald Trump is that it's like there's so many things about him that are bad that, like, if you focus on any one of them for too long, it seems like it's a distraction from all of the other bad things about him. I mean, it's, yeah, so, so yeah, I, so so I mean, it's, I mean, it's it's I, I mean, the thing about both this impeachment and the last one is that. Democrats had to find one thing,
0: right? It's like, it's kind of hard to put your finger on it. It's like, it's like, which one do we choose? It's like the American supermarket where you're just like overwhelmed by the sheer number of brands of toothpaste that you can't even pick one, you know?
1: Yeah, exactly. So, Yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah. So I am, I am, I guess, slightly uncomfortable with, with this impeachment just because of the specific thing that they're kind of attacking him for and yet I obviously think it's the right thing I, I, I mean I mean obviously if there's one president who's going to be impeached twice it's going to be Donald Trump um, and so you know I feel like maybe it's the right thing for the wrong reasons or the right thing with the but but but, yeah. it's, but it's the wrong process but maybe all all that we can hope for is the right thing <laughs> In, in uh, some way, in our, yeah. I mean, in this is uh, political. Yeah. This
0: is how I feel about it, and I guess this won't be as rap- rapid fire, a sort of string of things as I as I had envisioned. Be- yeah, <laughs> because there's a lot of <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of complexity to it. So the the office of president, right? It had a lot of assumptions built into it, um, right? Um, you, you know, you would assume that somebody had, uh, had a, 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 first of all, had the interests of the comp- country in mind above their own interests, at least. You would assume that somebody had maybe, I don't know, a law degree. You would assume that somebody had held electoral office before. But the actual only um, requirement in the Constitution is got to be 35 years old, right? That's the, like, you can't get a job Um, doing data entry without a college degree. But the only requirement for president is must be this tall to ride this ride. I mean, that's really, that's it. And um, that is, that's kind of questionable, you know, and this was the only test of that. (laughs) You know, this this was the first time that had been tested where there was somebody who like we can say is like, Obviously not qualified for the job, but according to the letter of the law, eh, qualified for the job, right? So we have this guy right. in here running slipshod over every, everything that you can call an American ideal, right? Every, every um, American value that you hold dear. I mean, I think it was like Sam Harris who, who talks about like every quality that he pers- possesses on a personal level is the exact opposite of the ones you would want to instill in your children. Right. He's Mm -hmm. mendacious. He's vindictive. He's, uh, he's obese. He's, you know, whatever it is, like everything that you would want your children to be. He is the exact opposite of that. He's sort of like a bizarro role model, if you will. Right. I mean, Mm -hmm. so um, it's, uh, you know, so, so we have this guy and it's like, yeah, he fucking, so did he, the legal definition of incitement, did he say, Word for word, I want you to go to the Capitol and break in and um, hang the vice president on a gallows and uh, kidnap Nancy Pelosi. No, he didn't say that. Right. Right. But he for weeks um, spread obvious false information about um, an election having been stolen. He obviously, like, inflamed the passions of his supporters. After they'd already broken in, he refused to call the National Guard. There's some question as to why the building was so underprotected to begin with, knowing that there were going to be hundreds of thousands of people, uh, angry, angry, crazed conspiracy nuts in Washington. So it's like, Is he directly responsible for it? Well, he was certainly irresponsible enough to allow it. Right. And shouldn't that have some kind of consequence? I mean, shouldn't we say, okay, maybe in a court of law, we're not going to convict you of the crime of inciting a riot because of the First Amendment. But we can say Mm -hmm. as an institution of government, the first branch of government, that this type of irresponsibility is totally unacceptable and this person should be disqualified from further office. I think we should. And I think that it only works, though, if like Republicans join in and do it. Like if it just becomes another partisan exercise, it's a waste of time. It continues exacerbating the divisions that we have. The only way for it to really be an effective corrective on future, um, on future would be strong men who want to, you know, who want to, you know, just like run roughshod over the constitution and, 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 you know, sort of Do away with uh, democratic norms and sort of seize power is for Republicans and Democrats in a bipartisan manner to stand up and say like this is totally unacceptable and we're going to put our the only stamp of approval that we have on it. So that's how I feel about it. But I'll tell you more and more now that he's gone. I like kind of don't even care anymore. Like I'm kind of like that's how I feel. But it's like yeah, but like you know, tell me about the philosophical implications of Star Trek though. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I do. Like, I really do. Like, I feel like right. I have my fucking brain back. Yeah.
1: Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think at this point, the only reason to even go forth with this impeachment trial is just to, just so uh, he can be prevented from running for president. Again. Right. And you I know what? I that's the only reason. Yeah. It's
0: so funny. People like Ted Cruz and, and uh-huh. Josh Howley. Um, They like, you know, who are who are, you know, objecting to the Electoral College vote to pander to the base. The funny thing Mm -hmm. is that secretly they can't vote for it, obviously, but secretly they would love nothing more than for Trump to be um, excluded from future considerations. So it's like if they could get their colleagues to vote to impeach without doing it themselves, that's exactly what they fucking want.
1: Yeah. 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 So, I mean, there's that. But. I mean, on the other hand, uh, you know, and I mean, th- maybe this is naive on my part, but I, I think it's a real long shot that Trump could get elected <laughs> again. Yeah, at, at, well, at uh, this point.
0: Yeah, it was a long shot uh, four years ago, too, though, wasn't it? But Yeah, I
1: mean, yeah, I know that, uh, yeah, people were saying that same thing. But I think, you know, the only other instance of. A president being elected non consecutively was uh grover Cleveland, and I think uh in that case Grover Cleveland very narrowly lost uh the the election to benjamin Harrison, and then he then he ran again and won but i mean trump Trump lost this election pretty decisively uh i mean just yeah so, and then, then people like are saying yeah
0: in the yeah. uh during the inter the inter Nicene period or the um, what do you call the period between uh is that the right word? Did I use the right word? No. I'm not sure. Sh- uh, it was I'm the wrong sure. word. What's internicine mean? Tell me. I'm, Tell me, yeah, professor. I- what does it mean? Internicine <laughs> interregnum. Uh, I have a college professor. Okay. They show sure you. Correct my work. No, I'm kidding. I don't know. It's that? Not- I don't mean to pimp you like
1: interregnum. That. I know, but inter inter, inter inter I'm not. I'm not quite
0: sure. What I think like that. internicene is a conflict within a sect or something like that.
1: Yeah, I think that's right. And
0: interregnum is like between. Is is, is between. Is a, pe- is a period I mean, between it, regimes, right? Well, yeah. I mean, yeah.
1: Specifically, interregnum refers to the period in England where there was no king or queen. Uh, it was uh, yeah the period when Oliver Cromwell was the the a <laughs> dictator yeah
0: but i think it also refers to the 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 periods um between um emperors in ancient rome doesn't it the interregnum periods like when there would when there would be like you know the, all these constant like civil wars every time the the, the emperor would die about who it's, it's yeah it's, yeah it, i guess i guess in general also. it's a
1: period where there's where there's no clear leader
0: yeah it's, it's, so that's right that's the word that i meant mm-hmm. the interregnum yeah, yeah, yeah. and during the uh-huh. interregnum period Uh, he also incited a riot, which is, um, incited an insurrection, whether legally or not. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, it's not a good look. It's not a good look at all. Um, oh, I wanted to say, oh, I thought of a funny thing to say earlier at the beginning of the podcast, but I didn't interrupt you. Um, and it was, you said, you said during, uh, you said during this last week, I've been binging Star Trek and I thought it would be funny if I said oh that's interesting I've been binging Everclear that's what I thought would have been funny if I had said (laughs) that and then I just remembered that now it's good okay so impeachment okay so you say uh, a qualified yes I say also a qualified yes yes but like whatever Um, okay Uh, next filibuster keep it or get rid of Mm -hmm. it yeah I'm not
1: I'm not sure. Yeah, this is this is once again a an issue. I mean, the thing about the filibuster is that historically it seems like it's only been used by bad people <laughs> usually. So for that reason, you know, seems like maybe we should get rid of it, but the kind of theoretical um idea of it itself you know I'm, I mean I'm not sure if I have a problem with it, but yeah.
0: you know what I think we should do and this is not an answer to the question that I myself posed I say, mm-hmm. get rid of the Senate entirely, have only the House of Representatives, but they are not elected from their district. they have the same number from each state so that we have a, right. an actual proportional representation. but they're not elected from districts they ele- mm-hmm. they all have to be elected statewide this like district these district representations In the government, you just have all these fucking crazy Yahoo fucking idiots, gun-toting weirdos, and like crazy socialists, and it's just like fuck that. Like, leave that shit for your own local state government. Like, send people to Washington who can win election in your whole fucking state. (laughs) Like, we don't have time for this bullshit. This this Bobert lady want to wear a fucking gun on her hip, or just like I mean, there's crazy liberals too who are just like, all right, whatever, fucking go be in local government and like send like sane, competent people to Washington and don't give Wyoming the same number of votes as California. (laughs) I mean, it's just like this is not so hard. That's what I think we should do. And then no filibuster but but only that. Just have like a proportional representation of the people in this country in the legislature elected statewide so they're not fucking nuts and then no filibuster. That's what I say.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I mean... I mean, all of the different house districts, I mean, it does, it does lend itself to an amazing
0: variety. Of crackpot <laughs> nutjobs. jobs. Yeah. yeah. It's like okay, a fucking, well, it's like a rodeo in there. It's fucking nuts, dude. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's true. But I mean, I mean, would you, would you, um. You put the the uh, the squad in the in that same category, AOC plus three as you know, uh, Donald Trump referred to them.
0: <laughs> I I like AOC plus three, but like yeah. I think I have a little bit of this like Kamala Harris infection that you have, where it's like I kind of want to have sex with them. So it's like it's hard for me, <laughs> it's hard for me to like be objective about like whether I actually like them because I do find them a little bit like meh 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 me, me, me. and it's like can we tone down the meh 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 me? and like like right. you know what i mean like i do love that she i do love that aoc tweets um at at ted cruz every day to resign i, th- I think it's like kind of awesome oh really but but at the I same know. time That's like yeah. it's probably not that helpful and, and you, know she's got, she's really good. I mean, she's from this whole, you know, this whole fucking, she's a, she's kind of an internet troll, just the same as the other ones are, but she's just like a way more fuckable internet troll. And I feel like her, <laughs> I feel like her priorities are more aligned with my own. So I don't want to tell it, you know what I mean? But, but like, if I'm being consistent, yes. But I think someone like AOC could win statewide election in New York state. So you think so really in New York? I think so. I mean, I guess, it, it depends how I many guess people maybe are running. Just, may,
1: yeah, yeah, maybe just because of personality and uh, sort of charisma. At, yeah, at, at this she, point, but she's a yeah, star, I, and I, New
0: I, York is a very liberal state, so I think she probably could. true. Yeah, yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, so that's that's consistent with your with your position then. Yeah.
0: Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you. One one nice thing I think about um, I think about um, uh, a lot is. Um, Well, at least since you and I have been like sort of working on and towards this podcast is the similarities and the differences between comedy and philosophy. And um, Mm -hmm. one thing that I like, and I do think that they both have to have a a logical um, validity to them. Right. But um, I think one of the nice differences is that, like, I don't have to actually believe what I'm saying. As a comedian, right? I just right. have to like think that it's funny and it has to like logically hold, but it doesn't have to be mm-hmm. correct in the same way. Where like I feel like right. if you're a philosopher, I guess you could play devil's advocate and stuff. And, and but that's oh yeah, not- yeah,
1: yeah. I mean i I think with I think with a lot of philosophy, I mean, the the way I do it at least is that you know it's kind of thinking through things, and so it's like, okay. This is not necessarily my final position, but I'm just kind of uh, kind of entertaining these ideas right now and sort of exploring. A lot, the, yeah, uh, a lot of
0: thought experiments, right? That's right, yeah. Here, I, I heard a thought experiment the other day, um, and uh, I'm sure you've heard it, but um, uh-huh. but I wanna try it out on you in case you haven't or whatever, So okay. so here's the thought experiment. Okay, you have a city, everyone in the city is a man. Mm-hmm. Okay, everyone in the city is clean shaven. Okay, oh, uh-huh. do you know this one? I do, yeah, yeah, Keep yeah. The, the bar, it's uh, what is it, Bertrand Russell, I think. Yeah, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. um, uh, so the everyone it, who the barber, there's a barber in the town, the barber shaves everyone who doesn't shave himself, right? So, yeah, what yeah, about this yeah, fucking yeah. barber? The barber right. is a yeah, paradox. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, so does the barber, does the barber shave himself? Well, he shaves only those people who don't shave themselves. So he doesn't shave himself, but if he doesn't shave himself, then that that means that he does shave himself. Yeah, right.
0: Right. So, so so here is my question. This is a paradox, Right. right? Sure. Yep. What is the fucking point of this?
1: Yeah. So the point of it, and yeah, and again, this, this gets into an area of philosophy, that I I I am very uh, rusty. Uh, I, I, well, not not rusty. That that sort of implies that I ever knew it in the first place. That you were ever uh, a,
0: a buffed to a gleaming shine right, right. in this area, right? <laughs> yes.
1: Yeah, but no, no. This gets <laughs> go out on, on a limb, uh,
0: Duncan. Do it. <laughs>
1: that's right. Yeah, this gets into very sort of like technical mathematical logic. Uh, it actually gets into set theory, um, and it's it's the idea that like. Yeah. So so this is related to the idea of um, the set. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. Within set theory, so that's that's a particular kind of mathematical logical theory that says that you can explain everything in terms of uh, creating different sets of things. And so and, and so you you come into a paradox when when there is the set of all things that do not contain themselves. I think that's I think that's uh-huh. the way it works. And 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 so and. And sort of more more largely considered, this is actually this is actually a problem with many different sort of logical systems where there's always going to be this problem of self-reference. Um, so so there's always going to be at least at least one thing in a logical system that that can't be explained within that system itself, and this and, and that's actually related to. Um, uh, the uh, mathematician Gödel had had his uh, incompleteness theorem, and 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 so that that was um, kind of his his sort of response to um, to this to this Russell's paradox thing is that yeah basically just uh, every every logical system is going to be incomplete, and so yeah this this um, example of yeah the 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 uh, barber yeah he yeah because it's because it's a a problem of self-reference. Yeah, he can't, he can't shave himself. Um, and yet he's supposed to shave only those people that don't shave themselves. Yeah. So, so, so it leads to that paradox. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay. All right. Great. So that Mm -hmm. was, I sort of understand that. Um, I, I do feel like I, so to me, this sort of like exemplified, I guess, like one of the, one of the troubles I have with, um, with, I guess, like just like trying to read philosophy or trying to understand philosophy is that I feel like frequently, and this was the example that I chose, but frequently you will come into contact with, um, these thought experiments that like, don't seem to have anything to do with like how to actually live your life. Right. Right. So that, that is like, but, but that's a necessary part of thinking through like a, a logical, um, uh, logical premise, or I don't know what the really? word I'm looking for is.
1: Well, yeah. Yeah. So I, 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 mean, that may be true with, with some thought experiments, but I, I mean, I think this particular thought experiment is very much connected to, a to, to
0: girdle of, and set theory.
1: And yeah, yeah. To a more kind of technical logic that yeah, is very much divorced from, you know, regular people's lives. Um, But, you know, I mean, there are other thought experiments like, um, you know, I'll give you an example of one that um, Jonathan Haidt used, actually. Um, And uh, so let's say that um, there's a brother and sister who... um, decide that they want to have sex with each other, right? And uh yeah, so like it
0: already. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. And, uh, very nice. They <laughs> and they
1: use uh they use um 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 protection and everything. So, you know, they they ensure that there will not be offspring that, that results from this. Uh and so uh they 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 uh, have sex and they they consider this to be a very special thing that they do together. They don't they don't tell anybody else about it. Um and so, and so basically, yeah, this is a thought experiment, and uh, Jonathan Haidt basically used this, and he, 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 he kind of, like, posed it to a number of different people and asked them, okay, so um, do you think it was okay that they had sex? And, um, and he basically found that um, people were obviously not okay <laughs> with the fact that of, of a, of a brother and sister having sex, but in terms of actually articulating a reason why it was wrong, people had a hard time doing it Mm -hmm. because, yeah, because I, I mean, all, all of the things that, I mean, obviously, you know, we know that inbreeding, uh, is, you know, bad. It can lead to all kinds of genetic problems, but that was accounted for in this example. They, they use protection. Um, And so, you know, basically, it's like we have this social taboo against, you know, incest. Right. But what ultimately is the sort of rational foundation for that for that taboo?
0: Okay, wait, let me see if I got this right, Duncan. So you're telling me that Jonathan Haidt uh, famous mm-hmm. uh, uh, social um, psychologist. Yeah, social psychologist. Yeah. Went uh, went up to a bunch of different people and was like, "All right, all right, yeah. all right, all right. Say a brother and sister are having sex, but they use protection. Do you think there's something wrong with that?" And everyone said, "Yeah, I think there's something wrong with that. Why do you ask?" And he said, uh, "No reason. <laughs> Is that what you're telling me? <laughs> uh, just a just a thought experiment. I uh, right." Uh, just a thought experiment. I'm trying to do my Jonathan. Okay. Voice.
1: Uh, Google. Uh, does Jonathan <laughs> have <laughs> a sister? Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. No. No. I mean, I, I don't think he was just. I was. I don't think he was just going up to people on the street. I think it was. Uh,
0: oh, buddy. Was, uh, was yeah, a, yeah. He's like Billy Eichner on the street. I'm having sex with my right. sister. Do you think that's a problem? We use protection. Um, <laughs> yeah. Here's twenty dollars. Um, yeah. <clears throat> Uh, yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, again, what is the purpose of this thought experiment? Like, yeah, it's like, I mean, yes, we do have a problem with it because it's fucking gross because that's your sister, right? I mean, is that's the right. answer, right? The answer is um, like, Jonathan Haidt, you are a fucking creep. Seek help, right? That's the answer <laughs> to the question. Yeah, I guess so, Mike. Okay. He's just out there like, I don't see why incest is so wrong. Like, dude, just like, I don't know. Like, yeah, okay, I'm sorry. I won't harp on it. I won't, I won't, I'll stop accusing Jonathan Haidt of incest. But so, but but, no, explain uh to me what the purpose of this is. I understand. So people couldn't explain why, but but everyone had a problem with it. So is the purpose of that to say that like, oh, well, actually there is nothing wrong with it. Or is the purpose to say like, we need to investigate what the, what this intuitive aversion is. Because since we all have this intuition, then there must be something there, and we just don't have access to it readily, right right
1: well, yeah, I mean, I guess okay, I see I mean I think when you're asking what is the purpose of these experiments, uh, it seems like you're kind of asking, well yeah, ultimately, what is the what is the correct answer to these or something uh-huh. like that and with philosophy, yeah, and I, I mean, I think this is why a lot of people get very frustrated with philosophy is that philosophy is more about questions than answers, I think. Um, I think it's more about kind of exploring questions and exploring your preconceptions. And ultimately, what answer you arrive at, I mean, that's that's up to you. You know, philosophy can't give you right. an answer. Right, uh, right, right. But, but I, I mean, to me, what, what what I think is just sort of, You know, interesting about the thought experiment is that, you know, yeah, it doesn't change my mind about the fact that, you know, a brother and sister having sex that, yeah, that that is gross. I don't like that. If if somebody I knew revealed to me that they had sex with their brother or sister, I would really have a hard time remaining friends with that person, I think. So, you know, good to know. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's, what if it me,
0: was, what yeah. if it was your brother and uh, it was just gay sex? <laughs> um, that's actually well. a better, that's actually a better iteration of the um, thought experiment to my mind, because while it does introduce the confusion, if people have moral problems with homosexuality, I think that's pretty rare. And to say that they use protection is no protection is hundred percent effective except for that butthole.
1: Yes, but that's that 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 could apply to brother and sister having sex as well.
0: Well, okay, sure. So, yeah. okay. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how graphic you want yeah. to get. Mm-hmm. Technically, there is always yeah. a chance that the semen could drip out of the anus and somehow find its way into the vulva if it's a sister. There's always that. Not to right. be well, overly technical. Okay, <laughs> okay. You know what? You actually,
1: you actually, uh, happened upon the answer to this one.
0: Yes. I solved the thought an experiment.
1: You solved it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> so the thought experiment, if a brother and sister have sex, but they use, use protection, uh, 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 is that a problem? Um, the actual answer to that is, um, have sex with your brother instead. Uh, so yeah. Okay. We solved it. Yeah. 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 Okay. Got it. Solved it. Um, Interesting. No, that's fascinating. I was, I was just joshing around. I was just playing around. No, with no, idea. but that, that's, that,
1: that's fine. But yeah, so, you know, it's just, you know, it kind of gets us to reflect upon the fact that, you know, a lot of our, a lot of things that we think are like kind of moral stances that we have don't necessarily have a rational basis behind them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think that's, I think that's maybe, you know, broadly considered the, the purpose of that thought experiment.
0: Right on. Cool, man. Cool, man. Mm -hmm. Um, Fascinating. I would love to explore more um, thought experiments. I know there's that famous one on the train, right? The train and the... um, but uh, just for future... Oh, the yeah, the the um, um, trolley, yeah. Yeah, yeah the trolley. Oh, trolley. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. We don't need to go into that right now. That one is. <laughs> sure. that one features yeah. very heavily in um, uh, The Good Place, which is a oh, show yes. that we both enjoy sure. very much and we'll probably yep. get to yep. at some mm-hmm. point. Um, one thing I do want to get to, we don't have a whole lot of time left. I mean, sure. that's technically not true. We have as much time as we want, but we don't, but, yeah. you know, we don't have a whole lot of if time we've... left. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, if we if 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 we want these episodes to be a, a reasonable length of time, yeah, we don't.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have we have not very much time left based on our self-imposed time constraint. Um, right. But uh, I sent you this article to read um, uh, that mm-hmm. that Andrew Sullivan wrote about um, uh, about sort of the um, <clears throat> the critical theory in. Um, in the Biden administration's executive actions, and they're um, replacing the idea of um, equality with the idea of equity. Um, right. And uh, the sort of implications this could have for the culture wars. And I don't know if you, you said uh, it made you think about a lot. So I'm, I was wondering what your what your takeaway from that article was. If anyone wants to check it out, it's it's from the, the Daily or the Weekly Dish, which is Andrew Sullivan's newsletter. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and you could probably look it up.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, you know, the main thing that it, yeah, it got me thinking about was, yeah, it's just that whole, yeah, equality versus equity distinction, um, which is which is an interesting one, yeah. And so, you know, the the way that I understand it is, yeah, I mean, equality um, in this context means equality of opportunity, right? And then equity mm-hmm. would be equality of outcome, right? And so, what is the difference between those two, and is is one good and the other bad, you know? And I mean, this is something that, yeah, um, another another guy that we both, um, I think, uh, appreciate a lot, uh, Jordan Peterson uh, talks about this a lot. He talks about um, equality of opportunity being, uh, of course, so, so, something that, that our society needs to have, but equality of outcome being uh, a horrible and uh, pernicious thing that, um, that will... Um, yeah, ultimately lead to yeah something like the uh, the uh, Soviet Union, um, and um, yeah, I mean it's it's tough for me to sort of um, parse this um, too much because in terms of equality versus equity, I mean you know there may be certain situations where. Where it is, it, it is necessary to kind of um, create an equality of outcome as well, depending upon the level of sort of um, injustice or or inequality that has um, that has kind of um, existed. Uh, and uh, yeah, and so I kind of I kind of just felt like you know talking about equality versus equity in an abstract way. Only kind of gets you so far. I mean, I, I mean, I feel, I, I feel like it, it. It really needs to be adjudicated on a kind of case by case basis. Like you know, in this case, you know, when we're creating equity here, yeah, is that is that fair or not? Um, and um, yeah, and it also got me thinking about um, just sort of the idea of justice in general. And you know, philosophically considered, you know, the idea of justice. Um, the sort of modern philosophical conception of justice comes from this guy, John Rawls, who, uh, who had this book, um, um, A Theory of Justice, that came out in the 70s. And his basic, um, his basic idea about what justice is is the idea of a, a, a veil of ignorance. So again, this is, this is another sort of uh, thought experiment. So let's say that you go behind this veil of ignorance and you want to create a society, and you don't know what your own position is going to be within that society, right? Mm-hmm. And so the idea is that, okay, what is the sort of society that you would create if you, if, uh, if, uh, if, uh, you yourself did not know what position you would have in that society? And mm-hmm. that would be a that would be a just society, and so this is basically yeah Rawls' this idea of just justice is basically fairness, uh, um, yeah on on a on a sort of broad cosmic level, yeah yeah. So, I mean, so, uh-huh.
0: I mean yeah, that sounds I'm just saying, like on the surface of it, um, I don't mm-hmm. know if if there are problems with that, but that sure sounds unassailable just at, at, on, upon first listen, that sounds like, right. yeah, right. That sounds like how you would design a just society. Right. Right. It sounds yeah, like so, almost Kantian, uh-huh.
1: right? Right. Oh yeah. 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 No, I think there's a lot of, a lot of debt to, debt to Kant. Uh, yeah. in that conception, yes. but yeah. Yes. So, you know, I, I mean, in terms of, in terms of equity, yeah, you know, I don't necessarily yeah, I have a problem with it in specific situations if in those specific situations it doesn't lead to what seem to be obviously unfair outcomes. But, I mean, if it does, then I do have a problem. But, you know, again, yeah, it's hard to – I mean, I think what Andrew Sullivan was talking about specifically in his article was, um, yeah, basically the fact that, like, Biden, you know, he has this reputation as this very moderate – Incrementalist, uh, centrist Democrat, but when he was elected president this time, it was kind of like well, he he, he sort of made a deal with this more sort of um, um, extreme faction of of the of the Democratic Party uh, that that he would he would promote a lot more of these uh, social justice kinds of agendas, and I mean the only. The only sort of way that I've seen that kind of um, in action so far is uh, in terms of the composition of his cabinet, uh, and I mean, you know, there was that guy, uh, and I'm 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 sorry, I'm, I'm afraid I don't know his name, but but the guy who was appointed Secretary of Defense, who was the Lloyd first Austin, black, okay, Lloyd Lloyd Austin, thank you, yeah, 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 the first, so so the first black Secretary of Defense, and the woman who was uh, the Secretary of the Interior. Who is was the first Native American uh, Secretary of the Interior, and um, Janet Yellen uh, was just appointed uh, the first female uh, Secretary of the Treasury. I mean, so far, I mean, you know, all of these choices, I mean, you know, these are – I mean, you could say that they're diversity hires, but I also think these are – They're quality people. people. Yeah,
0: yeah. 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 I mean, I think that's what's really the most important thing. I mean, like, we can we can talk about where we're at. Um, Certainly, where we want to get to is a point where, sure, you would appoint someone who happens to be a minority because they're the best person for the job, and you don't want to be appointing somebody because they are a minority. Um, rather than because they're the best person for the job, and right. you know, yeah, these all seem like really quality people. Um, I get the impression that uh, that your lady love Kamala Harris was picked mm-hmm. at least in part because she is a, a multi ethnic female, and he's you know he had sort of a specific litmus test that he would pick a female, which is. I mean, I think it's great that there's a female, but it's, yeah, I mean, my general take on this is that, like, a lot of people get really worked up um, about this sort of, like, encroaching illiberalism, um, Mm -hmm. where, you know, the sort of liberal world order that we've been, you know, clawing towards since the Enlightenment, which has promoted, um, sort of, the sovereignty of the individual and, uh, like, individual liberties and democracy and, uh, you know, all of that kind of thing. Mm Um, is sort of, right. It's based on, on, uh, on, uh, on, on the individual, a focus on the individual and this sort of mm-hmm. more, um, <clears throat> this, the, the social justice, uh, stuff that comes from this, uh, critical race theory and critical, uh, gender studies and so on is, is, um, is shifting the focus to, um, group identities and particularly like, um, power dynamics between different groups. So it's like portraying, for example, the United States as a white white supremacist nation and, and it is about empowering groups which have been historically, um, historically oppressed, Native Americans, um, uh, uh, women, um, certainly blacks, ethnic minorities, um, and then it goes on and on and on. And now you have intersectionality where you have people who are in um, multiple oppressed categories, right? Where I am, I am a gay black woman, right? Um, mm-hmm. So you're part. You you have the intersection of all of these different oppressions. And I think the way that I've heard Jordan Peterson explain it is like, okay, but the problem with this is like, you're going to have all these different, um, these different groups, and there's an infinite number of different groups, and right. if you If you like have the intersection between enough different groups, well, then you just get back to each person is their own uniquely oppressed individual within this, within this. Right. right. So like, for example, like I am a white man, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. So far, so bad. Um, (laughs) But how far do you go through this? But I am under six feet tall and I do have (laughs) attention deficit disorder And, you know, whatever, it's like, you know, how many of these different groups are you, are there and who gets to decide what they are? That's sort of like, I feel like the, the concern. Sure.
1: Sure. Definitely.
0: But yeah, like, I feel like where we are right now is like, yeah, it's like, yes, if we extended this thinking to its logical conclusion, um, it could be really bad. And it, and it already is sort of. You know, there are some negative, um, you know, there are some negatives of it that I think show themselves on the fringes of the like social justice warrior stuff, you know, where it's just like, uh, but, uh. But I don't, I think like my general, this is how I feel about pretty much everything and maybe why I'm kind of like no help to society because through everything, even through the Trump years, my general feeling, and maybe this is just my white privilege, is that like, is like, yeah, but like everything's going to be fine. Um, I kind of feel like it's going to be okay. Like, yeah, there's some problems with it, but then there are enough people pissed off about those problems and it'll work itself out and, and we'll be okay.
1: Yeah. 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 No, I, 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 I'm pretty much in uh, agreement with you there, Mike. Yeah. I mean, I, when I, when I read all of these, yeah, think pieces online about this, this encroaching ideology and it's like, yeah, you know, we, we really need to fight against this before, but, but, but before this just completely takes over society. And yeah, I, I'm always highly skeptical about those sorts of uh, characterizations of things. It's like, yeah, no, I mean, I think, I think that, you know, the social justice thing, it's maybe gotten a little out of hand right now, but yeah, I, I, I think it's going to kind of work itself out.
0: Because it does eventually. seem, yeah, and it does seem like there is enough of a backlash to it that it's like, it's got to burn itself out. It's got to, I think. Yeah. Like, I think the yeah. right thing yeah. is, is to, to make, here, here's something I tweeted today. I said, men and women are the same. That's my, well, that's why my wife and I took turns giving birth to our children. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Right. So it's just like, it's okay. Oh, oh, Mike, that is that is so controversial. (laughs) Well, that's one of the things. So there is protection for transgender rights as um, part of the Biden administration's um, uh, um, executive orders. I think basically like every sane person supports um, supports that, like people, everyone should be treated with dignity and respect and equally under the law. Um, I think it, I think some of these people, uh, the trans activists go, uh, overboard by insisting that there's no such thing as biological sex. And it's just like, we all just know that that's not true. And like, right. Of course, like trans women should not be able to compete in the Olympics in the women's category. I mean, it's just like, obviously not.
1: Right. Well, yeah. Yeah. Okay. And good. Good. Yeah. I mean, this was, this was a particular thing that I, was thinking about is that yeah, I mean, like that statement, you know, a trans woman is a woman, right. I mean, you know, that's that's that kind of formulation has been very kind of debated and that's that's very kind of fraught right now. And, you know yeah, in terms of trans people, in general, yeah, i I mean I yeah, I'm I'm totally in favor of you know, equal legal protections and so forth. But yeah, I mean, in terms of going to the point of saying that there is no difference between a trans woman and a somebody who was biologically born as a woman, you know, so, so something I was thinking about, Mike, and, you know, I mean, this, this goes back to, um, you know, before I was in the relationship I'm in now, is that, you know, I mean, I was... I was on uh, Tinder right and um, heard of it know, yeah yeah uh, and um, you know when, when when you're on Tinder and you know you you give your preferences and everything right um, you know it says you know I mean I say I'm, I'm a man I'm interested in women and so you know there will be profiles that come up and you know in just about, just about every case that I know about. I'm, I mean, if if there were if there was somebody who was who was a trans woman, you know, she would say, "I am trans," right? And and, and you know, uh, whenever I saw a trans woman, I immediately swiped left. Um, sure. You know, that was that was just not what I was interested in. And,
0: well, right. You're not a and, bigot. Yeah. Just not your type, right? Well, yeah, and so you know,
1: and so you know, this is this is the thing I'm wondering, and I mean, this is this is like the real test case I feel for like that statement: a trans woman is a woman. Okay, well, if you are a heterosexual man or a homosexual woman, you know, if you are somebody whose sexual preference is women, generally speaking, would uh, would you would you, um, would you be willing to uh, be in a relationship with a trans woman or would knowing that they're a trans woman be an immediate disqualifier for you. And, you know, obviously there's some queer people whose, uh, sexuality is more fluid. And so they have, they have no problem with that. But yeah, I mean, if you're, if your sexual preference is women, is yeah. Are, 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 are you willing to, uh,
0: is that a deal breaker for you, right? The, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. I th- I think for a lot of people, they would say, yeah, yeah. No, I I would prefer not trans women. Yeah, no, just just by, by yeah biological women. And are you being transphobic for thinking that? I mean, and, and is is what I'm saying right now? Is this like 50 years ago somebody saying? I just, I just couldn't be attracted to a black person. You know, I, I, I mean, if, you know, someday is, is uh, what I'm saying going to be like that? Uh,
0: yeah. yeah. Well, I think <laughs> that that's part of what the reaction to this, all this critical theory is, is the yeah. people are afraid that in 50 years it will be like that, um, right. Right. and, 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 they don't want it to be like that, right? Yeah. Uh, Mm -hmm. And I don't know. I'll say this. I mean, this is like a little bit personal. So maybe I'll edit it out later. But I have um, a son Mm -hmm. who's eight years old, who likes to dress up like a girl. Um, Mm -hmm. And so like at the school that, that we sent him to, they like were very encouraging of him, clearly versed in this kind of education of this sort of postmodern critical theory kind of stuff where right. where they're like oh well you get to choose your gender and do you want to be uh do you want to be called her or him and he doesn't know he's a kid right. he doesn't sure. know and so he goes yeah, yeah, uh yeah. i guess her so now mm-hmm. he's going to this school where he's right. referred to as a girl and it's not good for him it's not yeah. like it's it's He's, he's confused, he feels very inhibited in school in a way that he never did mm-hmm. before. It used to be like he was a right. boy and he'd go to school and all the other kids would be wearing, you know, all the other kids would be like, why are you wearing nail polish? And he'd be like, cause I like to wear nail polish, fuck off. But now right. he's like, well, now he's at school and because of, this, like, the, because of this sort of doctrine that they have encouraged, you know, he's like walking around with his shoulders uptight like he has this terrible secret. You know, and and I don't, I think it's overreach of this particular ideology. Now, yeah, maybe in 50 years they'll say I was a bigot. I don't know what, I don't know. But it doesn't, it just, like in this case, it feels like it's wrong. Right.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, and this is, I, I mean, this is a really kind of profound philosophical issue, I think, in terms of like, you know, the extent to which societal pressures you know, maybe, maybe a certain amount of societal pressure is good for some people. Like, I mean, you know, when I was growing up, yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, I'm certainly, I'm certainly not a particularly manly man, but you know, I'm still, I'm still definitely male. Uh, and there were certain societal pressures that I felt that were at times a bit oppressive for, for being, you know, masculine. Uh, but Nevertheless, I mean, kind of in retrospect, I'm kind of glad that I that I experienced those pressures and maybe it was good for me to kind of, you know. um,
0: Yeah. uh, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, these kids these days, I mean, they uh, they you know, they could use some bullies, man. I mean, you know, that's why they're all obese, because they never lose their lunch money. Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Right, exactly.
0: No, I mean, I remember when I was a kid, <laughs> I always used to like to sort of play around the edges of gender roles. And now that those edges <laughs> right. aren't there anymore, it's like harder to play around them. When I was a kid, I went to this sure. baseball camp for, for uh, it was like a two-week everyday sort of intensive baseball camp when I was 10 years old. And everyone at the camp mm-hmm. referred to me as the girl. And um, yeah. at the time, I didn't like it. But right. you know, then I also like I ended up like batting 500, which is pretty good, and I showed them that like, hey, mm-hmm. girl, girls can play. Uh, yeah. So uh, yeah. there you go. Uh, I don't know. Uh, yeah, uh, who knows? I mean, definitely. Like, we're all growing up uh, softer and weaker, and uh, maybe that's okay. But
1: uh, yeah,
0: this this sort of brings me to um, this. Um, video sketch that I wanted to share a little piece of. Oh yeah. Yeah, so here, let me, let me play it. Okay. Well guess who's out of a job? What? What, pandemic? PC culture takes another victim, bro. So you can't even make a joke anymore. (laughs) What was a joke? So you know my boss, Deborah, who I always been nice to, we're at this meeting and she starts like yapping her gums. So I stand up and go, raise your hand if you think Deborah's a fat pig. Nice. That's a joke. (laughs) Yeah, which apparently is body shaming now. What What did did Deborah say? Oh, so get this, she says, excuse me? And I said, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't recognize you without you being hogtied in a trough with an apple in your mouth. And then I started oinking at her, you know, I was like (laughs) Wait, this is your boss. (laughs) yeah and nobody had my back in the office because the whole place has gone full libtard i blame the universities and colleges That's, and it's exactly. it's directed in, and uh written by uh ryan long and yep. uh and it's starring um ian fydance and uh i forget the other dude's name but um and my internet's not working so i can't find it but um too bad. So anyway, I thought this would be like this was like a fun sort of example for me of like, for me playing with the idea of uh, comedic validity versus uh, uh, philosophical validity. So I would say, mm-hmm. sort of the, the from a philosophical standpoint, my tendency is to like be anti PC bullshit and anti cancel culture. Right. But I can also acknowledge that this video is very funny, and it like has. Oh, yeah has its own comedic validity. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, there's there's always two sides to these issues. And, you know, I mean, on the one hand, yeah, I mean, you know, PC hyper-woke culture maybe has gone too far in some ways. But on the other hand, yeah, I mean, when people complain about PC culture, you sometimes get the feeling that they're complaining about it because... It's they're basically kind of saying, hey, you know, I, I, um, I no longer have permission to be an asshole. It's right. Like, well, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> Duncan, is it possible? Is it just possible that whenever you have two people screaming at each other in an argument that usually yeah. they're both wrong? Is that possible?
1: <laughs> well, sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes maybe what's happening is one person is screaming because the other person has been interrupting them. And so they're trying to just like, um, yeah, be heard or something. But,
0: yeah. It feels like we have in this country. And uh, I guess that's what I'm hopeful for in the Biden administration is that calmer yeah. heads will prevail. But the just the intense polarization driven by everything where you got people on the fringes yelling at each other Um, um, acting like they sort of represent, you know, one whole half, you know, and acting like they're completely right all the time. I don't know, man. It just, um, it just, I just feel like everyone just needs to fucking chill out. Everyone just needs to chill out. It'd be nice.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It'd be nice. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, I find that, yeah, when you actually have these sort of discussions in a more kind of one-on-one or intimate way, you know, yeah, a lot of times, yeah, you can kind of get through the sort of rhetoric and bullshit and just realize, well, yeah, you know, we might, we might disagree about things, but, you know, neither one of us are bad people, you know, and we, we, we both have sort of, you know, good intentions behind our, our ideas. And so, you know, yeah, we can, we can, yeah, yeah, we can still have some kind of dialogue, uh, even if ultimately we still disagree, yeah.
0: That's, we are, we are, um, what is the, uh, we are societum ad hominem. We are, we are a society of, of people who confuse the people making the arguments for the arguments themselves, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. Whoa! 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 Something very loud just started playing in my Uh headphones. My internet came back on. Okay, yeah, the video. It's called. It's not always PC culture. Written and directed by uh, Ryan Long, uh, starring Ryan Long, Justin Silver, and Ian Fidens. That's what it was. Okay, good. Um, but yeah, no, that's uh oh, and it was, it came into my headphones and interrupted my thoughts during my big finale sum up statement for the podcast that, oh, man. that we need to remember that ideas are ideas and should be addressed as ideas and should yeah. not be confused for the people that have those ideas. That's how we regain Amen. our common humanity. So anyway. Amen, brother. Anything else? Um, I'm tempted to just leave it there. Yeah. No, I think uh, I think we covered a lot of ground. Yeah. We covered a lot of ground, but I'm still sitting in the same place in this dirty basement. This is a very dirty basement. Have I ever told yeah. you how dirty my basement is? This basement definitely <laughs> likes to have sex with its sister. Um, uh, all right, Duncan. Great talking to you, buddy. We solved all the problems. Yeah. As per usual, uh, our email, if you want to share anything with us, is uh um, the comedian and the philosopher at gmail.com. Not to be confused yes. with gmail.net or gmail.gov or gmail.edu. <laughs> the comedian and the philosopher at gmail.com. Shoot us a message. Um, make us into a meme. Just just get dirty with it. We love you. I mean, we don't know you, but you're probably all right. Um, and we we'll, yeah, we love
1: you. We, we love you. If you've been listening to this entire episode. Yeah.
0: Yeah. This has been a long one, but, um, no. <laughs> Hey buddy, it's, uh, I don't know. I got nothing, but, uh, <laughs> uh, great talking to you and I'll talk to you next week. Dude. Yeah, buddy. All right. All right. I love, I don't Take know about care. the listeners, but I love you. Anyway, I can say love that. You. All right. Later, buddy.
1: <laughs> Later.